Karlsson, Karlsson, världens bästa Karlsson Karlsson, Karlsson, hoj här kommer Karlsson Karlsson, Karlsson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Karlsson Killar jag så bra som mig Karlsson, Karlsson, Karlsson scores! Yes, welcome everybody to part two of episode 470 of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast. Technically, we've released more than 470 episodes. Some of them have gone unnumbered, but here we are, January 15th. It is the premiere date of The Last of Us on HBO, but also a day that is a very important uh, point of the season for people playing fantasy hockey. So, Brian, we cannot waste any more time with this joking around, okay, because we've got a lot of teams to go and a lot of hot takes to drop so before we get into it brian how are you feeling an hour into the recording you mentioned you're you're in a razor thin matchup how's everything going on your end right now oh it's not great elon i'm down uh, i need 4.2 fantasy points in the cup full from clayton keller who has not done anything yet tonight in fact he's done nothing for me all week just uh two fantasy points that's four shots over parts of four games he's played uh, of course, there was the game where he was ejected after four minutes. So that didn't help against Ottawa for a, a cross check on Eric Brandstrom. So I hope he does more in the second and third than he did in the first. I think I'm pretty much screwed, though. OK, well, sorry. How, to hear how are that. you doing? I think you're in better <laughs> shape than I am. I'm also in a very tight matchup against Lewis from Short Shifts, and uh, I'm currently losing by seven. There's like two periods to go in this Arizona-Winnipeg game, or less than that now, and I've got a bunch of guys, but none of them are doing anything. Shifley, Wheeler, Chikrin, and Vemelka. Vemelka just led in a goal, which I would think like, okay, great. Does that mean Shifley or Wheeler did something? Uh, apparently not. Who scored this goal by Winnipeg? Oh, and he has a couple guys. He has a couple nobodies on Winnipeg, like Lowry and Manalainen. If one of them has a point, okay, at least no. It's Dubois scored from Morrissey and Ehlers. Fine. But I'll, why couldn't Shifley have been there? Give me a break. On the power play, of course. All right, Brian. Anyway, that's that's the status update on us. One day we'll even tell people how we are like in our personal lives, but no one cares about that right now. We have a patron cast. Oh, okay. Patron cast coming Wednesday night. By the way, for the patrons, I'm going to post that later tonight for you. So uh, that's a bonus podcast we do just for the patrons. We answer all your questions. We already have a bunch of fun questions waiting for us there. And I think someone should just ask, like, how are you? So, or if not, I'll put that in, and then Brian, we could we could get down to it. But okay, that's like your least Let's, favorite uh, question to answer on the podcast. How are you? I like it. No one ever asks me it, but if someone asks me, I I, I have a lot to say. I don't know. I'm doing a lot. I I have a I had this kid three months ago. Um, that's been a big change in my life. Save it for the patron cast. Okay, I I think I have a very good sleep technique that I've been developing lately that that's become pretty effective, and I'm pretty oh. proud of it. So I'm going to tell the patrons all about it. Yeah, I, w- I can't wait to hear about that. I would become a patron if I weren't a host just to hear okay. your sleep technique. <laughs> all right, let's uh, go to the Washington Capitals, who have 52 points. Uh, unlike New Jersey, where I said everyone was hot on Washington, everyone is cold, and they've been shaking up the lines regularly. So you can't really buying on anything like we were talking about how it was a little disappointing that connor sherry got bumped off the ov line whatever he, he was back in the last game playing with ov and kuznetsov but washington lost and it'll probably change again backstrom's been centering wilson and sunny milano i continue to think that 
Tom Wilson is like a big disappointment. Actually, so Nicholas Backstrom and Tom Wilson, everyone was like, oh, this is exciting. These two guys are back. Caps are losing games with them, but I guess we don't care about that as much as a fantasy podcast. More about for these two guys in particular, Backstrom has one assist in these three games. Tom Wilson has no points at all. He's hitting a lot, but okay, so fine. You're hitting a lot, but not getting points. Go go get Parker Kelly. Go get Nicholas Delorier if you want some guy that hits and doesn't get points. So are we uh, in snoozer territory yet for Nicholas Backstrom or Tom Wilson? If you had them in your IRL season waiting for them, maybe it's time to just cut bait. We were like we're we're not in snoozer territory yet for Backstrom and Wilson, but we're on our way. And the one reason I'm saying that we're not there yet, well, it's only been a few games, but in those few games, the Caps have only scored five goals in three games since Wilson and Backstrom have returned to the lineup. Ovechkin himself was scoreless in three, which he broke uh, that goal draught against Philadelphia on Saturday. But guess who assisted on that? Nobody. I don't know. It was, unassi- it was unassisted. Trick question. So Ovechkin has scored once since Backstrom and Wilson have re-entered the lineup, and nobody but Ovechkin got a point on the goal. So you, you've got Backstrom, who's still on the top power play. Neither Backstrom or Wilson is with Ovechkin at 5-on-5, five five, which is basically where you want to be. Like, being with Kuznetsov could be good, but you really want to be with Ovechkin if you're in Washington. So I think if you can afford it, you might choose to be a, uh, have a little more patience for Backstrom and Wilson, especially, like, see what happens when Washington starts scoring goals again. Uh, but I also would not have a whole lot of patience for either one of these guys if you can't afford it. Yeah, I mean, I've been doing okay in one of my leagues, but I still dropped Backstrom just because I wanted to open up the spot. Uh, and I, I stashed a couple of different people in IR. Like I, I, I grabbed Backstrom just kind of recently when he was injured and I just wanted to, you know, fill my IR spot. And then now the Backstrom was back. I was like, huh, now I added Duclair and Matheson. So we'll see. Maybe I'll end up, when they start playing, I'll end up dropping them as well. But Backstrom is definitely not turning out to be anything special. Uh, okay, let's go to the Calgary Flames now. 51 points. Uh, patron Auntie wanted us to talk about Jacob Markstrom and ask if like he's going to bounce back or not. He's been terrible so far this season. Like He has a worse save percentage than Martin Jones. Okay, And he's not winning all the games that Martin Jones is winning. Uh, an 8.93 save percentage on the season now from Markstrom. Uh, Dan Vladar got two... Uh, of the last games he got both of those games uh, and won both of those games by the way it wasn't pretty against Dallas but he got the job done so you know I guess this conversation could go into is like Vlad are gonna get more starts or this conversation could just be about like regardless is just Jacob Markstrom not good anymore like what's your current feeling about Markstrom is he someone you like definitely hold all season just hope for the best or at some point do you actually consider dropping him even in a deeply like like a cupful I would have said the first one for a lot of the season but I am sort of inching towards the second where you might start to think about moving on from Jacob Markstrom and seeing how you could better use that roster spot. It's been a bad season for Markstrom, but the last month has actually been worse. Like Calgary is still a top 10 defensive team, but Markstrom is so badly underperforming his expected save percentage. Uh, Like it puts him towards some of the worst volume goalies in the league or the worst goalies in the league, period. So Jacob Markstrom not doing a whole lot. I have him in a wins only league where you'd think, okay, well, that's not so bad. It's wins only. So you're not getting hammered by his save percentage, but the wins He's been painful to roster there, too. It's been a really rough season in Calgary for everybody, right? Not Very little fantasy value realized for the Flames. And I don't know that things are going to turn around. I know uh, I saw a good tweet thread by Kent Wilson, who we had on our offseason Beats interviews, who was basically saying, like, Daryl Sutter has given up trying to be a skilled, a high-skilled team in Calgary. Like, they're going to gut it out 
every game now. They're going to try and win by playing like tight, grinding hockey. Uh, just, yeah, that's basically it. Grind out wins rather than skill them out as they were doing last year. Uh, Sutter's decided, according to Kent, that Calgary doesn't have the personnel to be that skilled team. And so uh, it doesn't sound like a, that's not a team that I really want to have a fantasy player from. Maybe if they figure out a system that works, that'll eventually help Markstrom. But boy, so far it hasn't. And the only thing that Markstrom has going for him is that Dan Vladar has not proven to be any more capable of taking on the workload of the starting goalie for the Calgary Flames, which has given Markstrom a whole lot of chances to right the ship. He hasn't yet. And yeah, I'm running out of patience. I don't think he's bad forever, though. I think there's still a chance he gets right. And maybe there's something that comes out in the offseason that explains what's going on with him. But I'm, I'm, I'm still holding out hope that Markstrom can be good. But man, what a disappointment for anybody who did put some uh, substantial draft capital into getting someone who you thought was going to be a good goalie on a good team. Yeah, um, that's another reason why we generally don't recommend drafting goalies with high picks because this could always happen. Phil in the chat is saying that Markstrom and Fleury being hard on themselves for losses is the cause of their loss of confidence. They need sports therapists. So maybe that's something that Calgary needs to invest in to try to get him to turn his game around. Um, another guy on the team, by the way, who is struggling, at least offensively, is Noah Hannafin. Only one point in his last seven games. Hannafin's still 62% rostered on Yahoo. He was doing like decently before. like Obviously not like you know lights out. He's no Rasmus Anderson. But I want wonder if Brian, you know, we talked about a bunch of defensemen earlier on the show. Uh, Severson, you're excited about. Maybe Brady Shea. Like, I don't know. Maybe Ke'Andre Miller, depending on which of us you, uh, you know, are agreeing with there. Uh, is Hannafin someone, if all those guys that I've just mentioned are available, that you would drop him at this point? Or do you think things will turn around and he'll go back to being like this, like, half-point-per-game guy that he'd been solid at? Like, last year, by the way, Hannafin was even more than half-point-per-game, right? He had a 48-point uh, season. Uh, but this year, it was looking like that for a while. But just over these last couple of weeks, he's totally disappeared. Yeah, Hannafin got off to a good start this season, but I, I think there's still a chance he can be a 40-point player the rest of the way, so that's good news for Hannafin. But no, I'm not expecting him to approach 50 like he did last year. That was in like that was partially thanks to notching 13 power play points that I'm not expecting him to repeat this season given that he's decidedly on the second power play, and that's not production that we get to see uh, in a, even a successful year from a second power play quarterback. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, let's go to the Oilers now. Also 51 points, both Alberta teams. Uh, the big news out of Edmonton is that Evander Kane is apparently going to be returning very soon from that injury where his, uh, you know, with his wrist, of that scary injury. We'll find out if he's 100%. I'd imagine they wouldn't be rushing him. Uh, so we've got a lot of people asking, like, how, what is this going to mean for someone like a Zach Hyman, who's been getting amazing deployment lately, right? Like Hyman not only has been on the top power play, but in at least the Oilers' last games, Drysaddle and McDavid played together on a line with Hyman. So you can't get much better than that uh do you think that Kane is gonna bump Hyman should Hyman managers be worried should Kane managers be worried that Hyman's gonna hold that role and Kane won't be on the top power play are, are you just gonna say like I don't know stop asking me things that there's no way I could answer yeah that's exactly what I'm gonna say I'm gonna <laughs> assume that Evander Kane like I'm operating on the assumption that Evander Kane just goes back to where he was before he was injured. So that's top line, top power play. And that would be bad news for Zach Hyman. And if I had Zach Hyman, maybe I would see what I can pull back for him now before he loses the value of being knocked off the top power play. Uh, that's my hunch. But as I tried to open this answer with, I have no inside information. Uh, we, ha we don't have much of a read on this at all. So we'll have to wait and see what happens. But if I had to guess, it's that Evander Kane just goes back to where he was before, which helps Kane and hurts Hyman. 
And then one of our patrons, Edge, wanted us to quickly talk about Clem Costin. He said, Costin might be an interesting one to look at. Playing with the red-hot Ryan Nugent Hopkins, seven points in his last nine games, and his line is actually seeing equal time on ice as the McDavid line at even strength. Uh, his 24% shooting percentage will regress, obviously, but how far? So I, I was interested in Costin. Well, I mean, I wasn't, but like when he was playing with McDavid, obviously that's like something you just have to register in your brain now that he's not playing with McDavid. Like I right away think to myself, ah, then he's probably just nothing. But I guess he, like Edge is saying, he's playing with Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who's still producing. Do you have any interest? Are you considering streaming in Clem Costin to see if he can keep up this run? Or do you think that this is like for sure going to be a guy that we completely forget about in a couple of weeks? I mean, I considered him briefly, and because, but I didn't jump. And because I didn't jump, I missed out on the two goals that Costin has scored on his last two shots shots over two games that's been a bit of a bummer i mean he's still just 23 years old a former first rounder costume was drafted 31st overall by the blues in 2017 but since becoming a pro he really hasn't produced at any level like in the ahl uh he spent parts of you know four or five seasons there now and without ever being somebody uh, there was one season where he beat a half point per game pace with san antonio and then he's been in springfield and bakersfield too neither one has been impressed so like costing someone who just since being drafted has not produced anywhere um in the pandemic year he went over to play in russia 18 points in 43 games in the khl so I don't know, Elon. I think he's probably my my hunch at this point. He's still young, and there's room to develop. And at one point, scouts saw it fit to to rank him as a top as a first round draft pick. But I'm still not sure that what we're seeing is anything more than a little bit of luck for Clem Costin. So while I missed out on those last two goals from him, I'm not about to go trying to chase the next two because I don't know when they're going to come. Yeah, I'm totally with you there. By the way, Brian, have you seen the chat yet? Don't look if you have. If you haven't, I've got news. I for just you. looked. Okay, you got it. You won your game, what? Clayton Keller. It's going to be changed. I've, I've like this isn't how the season <laughs> goes for me. This is this right. isn't right. Okay, let's check Twitter and see if they're like, is it under review? The cosmic uh, balance Schmaltz. of the universe has shifted. <laughs> okay, Murat uh, Coyote's fifth shot of the game is Clayton Keller, who uh, dances into the jet zone, picking up a drop pass and walking through the slot and around Adam Lowry. Oh, Adam Lowry, who my opponent has, uh, and t- to shelf it. So it th- sounds like it's not going to be like someone else actually like tipped it. Sounds like he just went in and scored a goal. And, and no offside challenge. No offside. I love that he danced in to score too. That makes me happy. Yeah. I'm just imagining. I'm going to dance out. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of t- chat about dancing in the chat here. So it's only fitting. With Andy, we, Was we, it Andy that's going to the it, ballet? It was the ballet cast party. We manifested this. Thank you, Andy, for teaching Clayton Keller to dance. Oh, and it looks like Jacob Chikrin has an assist. So now I'm only losing by like three points. Okay. You got okay. this. Well, we got this. Well, you've got you've guaranteed this now. I, I still need uh, I need some things to bounce right, but we've got we got a show to do. So let's focus on that next. The New York Islanders have forty nine points. I just want to talk about the goaltending again. Okay, so Ilya Sorokin is having an insane season. Like I could drop stats on you, but I think everyone knows. Like every game he plays, he does amazing. Pretty much, uh, he's like stolen or like rightfully taken you know the number one job i guess it was going to be his this season no matter what but he plays like most of the games he's got okay 927 save percentage 
in his last three games, he's led in one, two, and, and one goal. Like He's amazing. So I, I, my question to you is Sorokin at this point is like, if we were doing Schmore goalies board right now for next season, like last year when we were doing our goalie tiers, we had Shostyorkin and Vasilevsky as the clear tier one. At this point, like does Sorokin at least join them, if not like be in a tier above them? Like I don't, We don't need to dive into a tier above them, but like is Sorokin tier one for sure at this point for you? Like just looking at this season so far, looking at the total cupful points, which I think is a good way of judging because you know that combines like wins but also like save percentage and volume is important there as well uh sorokin has more points than shostorkin and vasilevsky he's actually behind four goalies which i think would be funny to see if people would be able to guess them uh they maybe could like i'll just say the names uh hellebuck Olmark, uc saros and jake ottinger are the four goalies who have more points than Sorokin. I wouldn't be surprised if Sorokin could overtake them. Maybe not Hellebuck with how much he plays and how well he's been doing. Uh, but yeah, ahead of Shostorkin and Vasilevsky, who we said were the top two, which obviously makes uh, you know it tricky to predict goalies. But yeah, what's your gut feeling right now? Is Sorokin going to be in our tier one next year? And are you going to feel very comfortable with that? Yeah, he is. And I will. Uh, Sorokin, we were just waiting for Varlamov to like be for sure done and not starting even one of every three and clearly that's not what like even with that honestly Sorokin still could be a top tier goalie easily because what we look from from a tier one goalie is we look for a great goalie putting up great numbers on a great team and actually Sorokin's missing that last part even with Sorokin's heroics this season his record he's just a game over 500 personally and that's really like the fact that he's even that game over 500 is thanks to himself and not the team in front of him the Isles have looked like a discouraged and dispirited bunch on a lot of nights this year and Sorokin has shown up every single night and done his job though 927 save percentage 74% quality starts this is the third straight year that Sorokin is putting up quality starts in more than 70% like this is not something that is normal or expectable from 90 to 95 percent of nhl goalies so Ilya sorokin is money he's even beating his numbers from last year so yeah this is the sort of volume and reliability you want from a top tier goalie and Ilya sorokin is delivering yes finally yeah. yes now now we worry um, about what's gonna happen to him next year that we've said that yeah, it would be really surprising for him to fall off just because he has would such be. a high pedigree and he's done so well for so long. All right, so uh, I guess let's go to Pittsburgh now, who has 48 points on the season. They've got a great schedule next week. If you could fit in a Pittsburgh player on Monday, then if you add someone, you're going to get Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday against Anaheim and then Ottawa twice and then New Jersey. So those are teams that uh, people have been able to score some goals against, especially well, maybe not New Jersey as much with uh, the way Vanacek is doing, but definitely Ottawa and Anaheim. Uh, so the thing is like Pittsburgh isn't the easiest team to stream from like maybe Jason Zucker is available in some leagues who's in the top six otherwise maybe you look to D Ty Smith still on the top power play until Latang comes back which we haven't had an update on him though Jeff Petrie I think is also coming back soon so you might even you know end up regretting adding Ty Smith because Petrie could come and bump Ty Smith off the top power play so I don't know I don't really have a question Brian I just wanted to point out that Pittsburgh has a good schedule but I can't think of anyone really to recommend aside from maybe like Ty Smith I think that's it. Like, I mean, if Zucker's and Zucker and Raquel are gone, they're really, you can't go too deep. Maybe you can find like the rust manager being really disgruntled and ready to, to ship them for, for someone low enough cost that you're interested in giving it a shot. Uh, it seems like Petrie and Latang are both nearing a return though, or at least I, I hope so. Ty Smith had two power play points back on Tuesday, but otherwise not much to show for his time there. So if you're really looking for a stream and Ty Smith, 
maybe getting power play point appeals to you. Sure. But you, you might want to wait until it's like actually game time to make sure he's still going to be in that position. Come puck drop. Yeah. Okay. Let's go now to Colorado who somehow is only at 45 points. Are they even in a playoff spot? If the playoffs were to start today, I didn't actually check for that. Um, but yeah, I just checked. Uh, Colorado would not be in the playoffs right now if it started today. They have 45 points, which puts them six points behind Edmonton for the last wild card spot. The way I'm seeing Colorado's only played 41 games, and Edmonton has played 45 games, and Calgary's played 44. So actually, maybe, you know, when you look at points percentage, maybe they're just barely in there. Of course, we're expecting better things in the second half. McKinnon is back. Apparently, Valerie Nachushkin will be back tomorrow. Uh, and I was, like, really high when I was doing the matchup maximizer on Evan Rodriguez, who's been on an amazing spot and doing really well so rodriguez has been playing on the top line with mckinnon and on the top power play and like he's producing there it's not just someone who's sitting there but not doing much like we're looking at 10 points in the last eight games this is no alexis lafreniere this is evan rodriguez but of course now with nishushkin back tomorrow who knows what the lines will be so i'll definitely be watching closely well not that i have rodriguez available to me in any leagues i wish i did uh but since i don't i'm just going to be still interested to watch uh gamedaytweets.com to see those avalanche lines and see what happens maybe they just leave things the way they are colorado did beat ottawa seven nothing in their last game so that seems like the type of situation where you don't necessarily need to change much by the way paolo Francois was in net for that game so i wonder if that gives him more leash maybe like Francois and georgiev i could ask a similar question as like Olmark and swayman from the start of the show maybe like it's closer to 50 50 the rest of the way considering uh georgiev has been struggling a little bit um but yeah those are my thoughts on colorado and sorry, Brian, I didn't have a question for you here. So I guess I'll just let you jump in. Cool thoughts. Yeah, no, very good thoughts on Colorado. I appreciate you sharing them. I agree with you that Evan Rodriguez is somebody you should go out and get if he happens to be available in your league. He could be really helpful to you in the coming weeks, at, li- at least until Natushkin is back. But even after that, maybe. Um, Elon, I don't know about your thought that Francois is going to be closer to a 50-50 split. Like, he's a long way from that. Do you know how many consecutive games Georgiev started? I guess Francis hasn't been he dressing. He was injured. Yeah. He was injured. And yeah. I guess that's why. But even before Francis was injured, Georgiev had started five straight. But maybe, Fran- you, okay, maybe we don't know that Francis was working through something and still dressing to back up, and then they decided to pull the plug on that. So we'll see. I, I'll be interested to see if that happens. I'm not sure. It does, but I think it's a yeah. it's it's a point well taken. Yeah, I guess like look, Georgiev is no Olmark, okay? <laughs> Georgiev is not going to be a Vesna candidate, so it seems like maybe Colorado would be well suited. Like they're uh, not able to just you know try to ride their guy that they said at the start of the season is going to be the number one goalie. They're currently outside of a playoff spot, so I feel like they're going to go with the goalie that they yeah. think is going to help them win games. I just Francois just got a shutout. Yeah. Okay. So there you go. Fair enough. And I I don't know that they've been like that they're out of a playoff spot or or on the bubble because of their goaltending and Francois no, for, I'm not saying that, for yeah. what it's worth at 5 on 5 has been the better goalie by a, a slim margin this year 934 save percentage to Georgiev's 931 they've both been good though goaltending I don't think has been the problem in Colorado I think it's been depth I think they've had a really hard time keeping up with their injuries but mm-hmm. as you mentioned Elon as, as things get closer to the end of the year and the race gets more intense maybe they are just looking for the goalie that's going to get them the win by the way Brian I don't know if this is like too much of a nudnik question to ask you but uh, Devon Taves 
uh, still on a cold streak, only one point in his last six games. Are you still sticking with closer to 60 points? Or are you now with me that we're going closer to 50 and maybe even less? Hey, let the team return to health. All right. Okay, uh, sure. with, a, with a healthy Colorado lineup. What is, is that a sarcastic? Sure. I mean, I think closer uh, to yeah, 60 a little. than 50. So you think that uh, Devontae's is going to get more points moving forward? Ooh, let's do a bet. Devontae's versus Alex Petrangelo. Yeah, I'll take, get more points. I'll take Petrangelo. But you said Petrangelo's a 50-point guy moving forward, and you're saying Taves is a 60-point guy. I know, guy. but Taves is stuck, like, in neutral. Like, okay, so the numbers suggest, Elon, like, going by variance, that Taves should be doing better than he is. But it's been so long. Like, I'm not I'm not ready to accept that all this, like, bad luck is what I'd characterize it as is permanent and Taves suddenly deserves it now what was once bad luck is just his lot because that's who he is so like I I can't give up on that Elon until I see Devon Taves do badly with numbers that look like they're sustainably bad which I just haven't seen but as I mentioned I think the and I mentioned this with the last time we talked about Taves the the lack of depth in Colorado like remember we talked about how they lost Burakovsky they lost Kadri Lendeskog's been injured all year Nichushkin's been injured most of the year like this is a team that's had a really hard time staying healthy and has not been able to be as dangerous offensively as they have been in the past so I think when they can get up there and I'm still taking points off from Taves' last season. I don't know. You, the Nudnik achieved. You did it. You got me going on Devin Taves. <laughs> so at the same time, though, even though I don't think Taves deserves his numbers, it has been long enough that I am starting to get a little more worried. And yeah, I'll take the sure thing in Alex Petrangelo, especially with the peripherals he offers and the fact that uh, Colorado is still not at full health for Devin Taves to produce with. Yeah. Okay. So we're on the same page. That. Yeah, I think so. By the way, uh, we got a Wheeler goal with a Shifley assist. So, Lewis, uh, unless you're Adam Lowry or Manalanin, do something soon. I think I'm going to have this matchup. So, we'll see. Congrats. We're still recording. Let's go to uh, the St. Louis Blues now. Thanks, pal. Uh, okay, Pavel Buchnevich. He's a guy I wanted to talk about already for a while. He's red hot. He scored versus Tampa in that last game, bringing him to 10 points in his last eight games, 37 points in 35 games overall on the season, which means he's pacing for even more right now than he did last year, uh, pacing for 87. Last year, he paced for 85. In his final year with the Rangers, he paced for 73. So Buchnevich is getting better and better. For those who want a reminder, Buchnevich was traded for Sammy Blay and a second round pick, looking like one of the worst trades since we started doing Keeping Carlson, like especially since we've talked about how Hall for Larson is actually now like looking a lot more even. Um, but uh, Buchnevich, I know that like the Rangers had some contracts they needed, you know, it was a cap kind of thing, but I don't know. I think now probably if they could have a do-over, they would, you know, ship out some other contracts and hold on to Pavel Buchnevich. He is a superstar in this league. Uh, and then on the other side, and then I'll throw it to you, uh, Justin Falk, who's been on the top power play with Tori Krug out and getting like a ton of power play time. We were saying on the show that this is like great news for Falk, like sucky for obviously the Blues, but great for Falk, who is going to get all this extra time. And he's on a total cold streak, pointless in five games. So I'm going to assume this is going to be another ding of a guy that you would definitely have over those Carolina guys. Is this by-low time, or are you worried about Justin Falk? Because you used to not be such a big uh, Falk guy. So I wonder if, now that he's cold, you're going to switch. I actually used to be a huge Falk guy back in the days in Carolina when he was a big shooter and their power play quarterback. And then after all the years of never really converting that into meaningful production, I 
gave up on him, especially when he went to St. Louis and stopped shooting. But this year, Justin Falk is back up to two and a half shots per game, which is the most he's been shooting since leaving Carolina. So that's promising. And that's a reason that I do like him more now than I have over the last few years. Uh, But it is hard to like him. You mentioned scoreless in five. How about this? Four points in Falk's last 18 games. So there's been very little going on, even though he's still shooting, he is hitting, he's also blocking. So at least he's filling other categories while he's not doing the things on the score sheet. But I would like, I'd still be interested in Falk, at least, at least until crew comes back and then maybe beyond that. I'm not going to get too down. I mean, I forgave Alex Petrangelo mostly for having no power play points in 17 games. Falk has just one in his last 19. Well, I could actually just say Falk has six power play points in 44 games this season, despite a lot of power play one opportunity. So I'm going to hold out hope that Falk holds on and uh, regains some of that value. And I think he does make a good buy low target. Ezra Pavel Buchnevich, yeah, on an 87 point pace. But one thing, uh, one thing about him, Elon, is uh, I wonder if Justin Falk stole some of his shots. Booch's shooting has really slowed down, both at 5-on-5 and on the power play. But you haven't noticed, because Buchnevich is shooting 17% at 5-on-5, which is about 5% more than we'd expect, and 58% on the power play? What? Yeah, Buchnevich has scored 7 power play goals on 12 power play shots. So... Even though Buchnevich is shooting less, which would normally concern us, we haven't really seen the impact of that because he's converting like a madman. So you regress Buchnevich's shooting percentages, and he may lose about five goals, which would take him down from 87-point pace to about a 75-point pace if he doesn't start shooting again. I'd really like him to, but he hasn't. Like, look at Buchnevich's raw numbers. Nine shots in his last eight games, 21 shots in his last 15 games. You can take a lot of different slices over the last couple months and not like any of what Buchnevich is doing in the shots column. So maybe, I don't know, Elon, you're going to you're gonna hate me for this because you just said that you, like you, this guy's a superstar. And yes, definitely better than Sammy Blay in a second, but maybe you can uh, deal Buchnevich. Uh, sell high a bit because he's converting on more than he should be and he's not shooting as much as he used to. He's still really good. Like you're you're trading a seven at least a seventy five point player and maybe someone who's a legit eighty five point player. So set your return to be uh, commensurate with that. But I think Buchnevich has been overperforming so far based on his low shot production. But maybe he'll shoot start shooting more. Yeah, that's what I would hope. But like I said, the last eight games just nine shots. So until we see that turnaround, I'm thinking that I've got a guy here who has just been a little luckier than he should be. Yeah, I think you've. I think you'll trade him, and then he'll start shooting more, and you'll be like, "I shouldn't well, have traded him just because he wasn't that, shooting for eight games." That would be like this show. I feel like is like the most like like hosted by two guys who have burned been burned all year long by every decision they've made. Right? Yeah. Like trade him, and then he'll start shooting. I feel like it's really seeped into the show actually over the last two or three weeks since we're both losing, which doesn't doesn't happen too often. I'm winning in other leagues, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to win this week against Lewis. I'm feeling like a winner I'm right just, now, and okay, Buchnevich right. is a winner, and I would disagree <laughs> okay. personally with trading him because he's you know had a couple bad in, weeks in of case shots he, on goal. No, it's not a couple bad weeks. It's a lot. A couple the whole weeks season. where he's not shooting as much. The whole season. I mean, if I look at his game log, I see a bunch of one and two shot games recently, but before that he had a bunch of three and four like in December. But uh, I don't know. Well, I guess we'll see. We'll see what happens moving forward. Yeah, I guess we will. 
You're right. He did, he did start. He, I, I'd say it's probably been an equal amount of time that he has been shooting and he hasn't been shooting. So you can, you, we can hope that the shooting returns. It would be important yeah. for the shooting to return. Yeah, definitely. Okay, let's go to Buffalo now. Actually, no. Brian, we've had a little bit of a tiff here. I think we both need a cool down moment. <laughs> so why don't we both go to the corner, uh, think of some of the compliments we could give each other when we come back to get back on track here. And then we'll come back with some compliments. And then we will wrap up the show with Buffalo and the other teams, including another team, by the way. Like I said before, with Colorado, I was surprised that they fell so low. We still haven't gotten to a team that won the President's Trophy last year. So a lot has changed. Uh, so we'll get to a few interesting teams to wrap things up in part two of part two <laughs> so uh, stay tuned and we'll be right back all right we are back and i just want to say you're sounding that... great tonight you are have Thank i you. have i told you that are you like you mean the content or just like the both. quality of the sound both your voice you. yeah it's great to hear i also by the way wanted to say that your short shifts episode with jeremy was like very fun to listen to. Like I don't often get to listen to a podcast of yours that I'm not on. And it just reminded me why I, I wanted to do a podcast with you in the first place. What, what a skilled guy. You know, I feel like when we're doing this podcast, I don't listen to you that much or I do like, but I'm thinking of myself right. in terms of like, I'm thinking of my performance and just trying to respond to what you're saying, but actually just listening as, as a consumer. What a, what a pro. I'm going to cut that with some breaking news. Uh, Kevin Uh-oh. Kevin Weeks has mentioned, he says he's told, former Carolina Hurricane Kevin Weeks, he's mm-hmm. he's been told that the Canes are reassigning Pyotr Kachetkov to the HL shortly. So then Makes it will sense. just be Anderson and Ranta, which is, uh, that's, that's good news for anybody worried that Anderson would have to share with two other goalies. Now he's only got to share with one and he'll probably start two of every three. Yep. Uh, I mean, hey, Kachikov had a chance today, led in three goals, lost to the Canucks, that uh, stream that I did of Colin Delia today, I, which I feel kind of bad, Brian, because I said on the Matchup Maximizer yesterday that I would not recommend streaming in Delia, but then today when I decided I had to make my final move of the week and I was looking at my options, I was like, huh, you know, I'll just try Delia, and he had a good game, and he beat uh, Kachikov so badly that he got sent down to the minors, so that's a shame. He's going to have a great career, but obviously uh you know, Ranta's a free agent after this year, right? So I'm sure that, uh, you know, Kachikov will be back in the show next year for good. Uh, but for now, we're going to Buffalo, okay? And talking about some more goalie news that, you know, ha- okay, there's a now maybe Buffalo's the only team that has three goalies currently in the system because uh, Comrie is back. He's played one game. It was against Seattle. We, and we've just discussed Seattle scoring a lot of goals lately, so it did not go well for Eric Comrie. Four goals uh, let in on 22 shots. Uh Ukopeka Lukanen is sort of just kind of going up and down with paper transactions, but he's still been getting games. Like he played Buffalo's last two games. He actually had a really good game versus Nashville on Saturday in the win, stopping 36 of 39. So it seems to me, and again, goalies are so hard to predict, and who knows what will happen moving forward, but it seems to me like UPL is like the starting goalie, but yet he's still going to be like brought up and down all season long, which is kind of a funny situation. But unless they waive, you know, Comrie or Anderson. Uh, it seems to me like they're, I think they think that UPL is their best option, but also he's the one that they could send down. So it's kind of a fun situation there in Buffalo. Yeah. And it's a, it's a funny situation too, because going by expected save percentage, Eric Comrie has been Buffalo's worst goalie this year, and he's the presumptive starter. And Uko Pekka Luokinen has been the best Buffalo goalie this season. And as you mentioned, he's going to be like sent to the minors a hundred times on paper only. So we'll see how Buffalo handles this all together. You know, they wanted to develop Luokinen longer. And when they brought in Eric Comrie, everybody knew, oh, oh, don't worry, Uko Pekka. Like, we're going to, like, you're still our guy. 
we're just going to let you develop in the AHL. But what if Lou Okunin doesn't need that? And what if Buffalo needs like high grade goaltending now? And what if Lou Okunin is the only guy who can offer it? It's going to be an interesting uh, thing to watch how how everything shakes out. I remember early in the season, I thought Eric Comrie had big breakout potential as someone to grab a number one job with a good enough team to support him and that he could support too to have some pretty good numbers. He hasn't been able to yet. I'm still keeping an open mind to it, but it's going to be hard while Luokinen has left all these really great performances out on the ice in recent memory of Buffalo management. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely not a Kachikov situation. Like, I think Lokanen is clearly their best goalie. And at this point, you would think the most, like, reasonable move to make would just be to send Craig Anderson to the minors because no one's probably going to claim him. So you could just wave him. Uh, uh, but at the same time, it's kind of, like, would be disrespectful, I guess. I don't know for, like, a goalie with that's had a nice career like Craig Anderson has. I wonder if, like, be, due to not wanting to, you know, be rude to Craig Anderson, maybe they'll just keep three goalies for a while. Because, like, Comrie, they can't really send down. Maybe he wouldn't get claimed, so maybe they can. I don't know. That, that'll be fun to follow to see what they do. But I guess they, they could just keep sending UPL down whenever he doesn't play. So that makes it a little easier. Yeah, that um, makes it a little easier for sure. Yeah. All right, Brian, let's go to a team I know you're excited to talk about because you're rostering one of their guys that's red hot right now in the Nashville Predators who have only 44 points, but one guy that everyone might still have available in free agency or if not, he was just rostered pretty recently, Yuso Parsonen. We talked about him like month or two ago when he got called up and he started hot but then he kind of disappeared but lately he's been loving life back on the top line and top power play with philip forsberg uh so forsberg is great i don't want to like shortchange forsberg but no one's able to roster him so we're going to talk about yusuf parsonen uh, who's on a six game point streak getting close to a must add i would think i'm curious to know brian like first of all like are you going to hold him that would be a good question like are you planning on like for sure holding yusuf parsonen for the foreseeable future because i know you have him on your cupful team I'm curious what you think of him versus some other guys that might be available that we've talked about like an evan rodriguez or an ellie tolvanen yeah i'm pretty interested in parsonen i think well, until Nachushkin's back, I'd rather have Rodriguez. Tolvanen, let's call it even between Tolvanen and Parson, but Parsonin will have better deployment because Parson is on that top line. And like the power plays are kind of split in Nashville, but he's on the one with Roman Yosi and Philip Forsberg. So I'll also say Parson's on the top power play, even if they're kind of distributing units kind of evenly between the two units. Um, but yeah, Parson has emerged from the pack. Remember our last week when we talked about all the random Preds? And uh, I, I think I also talked about it on the Short Chips episode with Jeremy. It's like, who do you like? We got, uh, oh my gosh, I can barely remember that Thomas Novak. And Yuso Parsonen and Colton Sissons and Mark Jankowski. Well, and even like Grandland and Johansson yeah. are kind of like random. They're random. Pre- yeah. And Matt Duchesne is trending into random Pred territory. To like he's done very little lately, which has been frustrating for anyone who has them on their fancy team. But what's nice about Parsonen is that he did rise above the pack when we weren't sure anybody could. And what's also nice about what Parsonen is doing, uh, uncharacteristically, Parsonen has taken two shots on goal in five of his last six games, which is more reliable shooting than we had come to expect from him when he'd get like zero or one shots on a given night. Uh, so I think if you have Parson in, you just see how long this goes and you hang on. Parson is kind of coming out of nowhere. Really, he is. He was a seventh round pick, 210th overall right at the end of the draft in 2019. But he was a good scorer for TPS Turku in the SM Liga over in Finland. And this year, in his North American debut, Parson had nine points in 10 games with Milwaukee of the AHL. So I'm interested, especially since these lines seem to be holding. I will happily take Parson, who is producing alongside Philip Forsberg in good deployment opportunities. 
Yeah, I mean, hard to argue with it, right? And uh, by the way, let's mention Roman Yosi coming on really strong lately. Uh, he had a bit of a slow start to the year, especially like, compared to expectations when he was like such a monster last season. But slowly but surely, Yosi is now up to third in cupful points for a defenseman. The only two ahead of him are Eric Carlson and Rasmus Dahlin. And Yosi is like creeping up. Like Carlson now is at 272, Dahlin 267, and Yosi 258. So less than uh, you know 20 points separates these guys. Uh, next up is Kale McCarr with two. 38, who I was the first defenseman drafted in all of these leagues, uh, and who would have known that it would have been Eric Carlson and Rasmus Dahlin, who you could have gotten so much later. Uh, then uh, there's Morrissey, Fox, and Hamilton, and they're all like within like 50 cupful points, which isn't so, so much. So but I'm curious to know, who do you think is going to have the most points for a defenseman come the end of the season, like in terms of fantasy points in the Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantasy League? I, I'm kind of leading Yosi right now. Me too. I'm not going to lie. And if you want to see the specific scoring, kkupfl.com. But Roman Yosi, the reason why I might be leaning towards him is because he's this close to Darlene and Eric Carlson with the least actual points of the group. Like Yosi, you might think to be the top couple point getter, you're going to need to be on like a 75 plus point pace amongst defensemen. No, Roman Yosi just has a 66 point pace, which is his personally second lowest point pace of the last four seasons. But Yosi has four and a half shots per game. He continues to crush it on the power play. He throws enough, like a couple hits here and there. He gets a couple blocks a night. So he just does a lot across the score sheet, which makes him feel pretty reliable. And he's been doing so well on the power play for a while. I'm, I'm, I guess I, I'm keeping an eye on the Preds power play situation. If they are going to try and split units more often than they have in the past and how that could impact Roman Yosi being able to get more than 30 power play points in a season. But Elon, if he's doing this well on a six, 66 point pace, then I figure there's a pretty decent chance that he can pass Dahlin and Carlson if either of them go cold for like a week or two. Yeah, I would think that like maybe his biggest competition will, will probably Dalene or Kale McCarr, of course, if he could really turn it on. Like you said, like once like Colorado gets fully healthy and running uh, all systems go. By the way, Jacob Chikrin would be in that list if he had played all season. In terms of average couple points per game, he's ahead of Dougie Hamilton and Adam Fox. But uh, unfortunately, he uh, had to miss all that time. But he's had a really great season and an assist today. Okay, Brian, let's move on now. Oh, by the way, I had a really good suggestion from Phil, which I said I wanted to incorporate last week when some. When I think I guess Phil suggested it but i forgot so okay when we do this part one and part two and then we break them up into ad breaks in the middle it's like first period second period third period and then overtime so we're in overtime right now which me but but it's like a long overtime it's like the playoffs so it's a full 20 minute period okay uh so we're going to florida now okay that's the team that won the you know the president's trophy last year and now has not been as good there you have 44 points. I guess the interesting players to talk about, first of all, like Anton Lundell has been playing on the top line, which is like a really great spot, right? Playing with Barkov and Reinhardt, but he's not producing. He has only one point in his last 10 games. So it's really hard to decide whether we should like recommend him for the deployment or if we should shy away because of the lack of production. I guess it doesn't help that he's not been getting much power play time. Uh, I'd still be interested in Lundell for a stream if like, you know, Florida had a good schedule. Just like anyone playing on the top line is generally interesting. And Lundell is like a high pedigree guy who had a really good first year last year. So he's interesting. And then uh, Aaron Ekblad, by the way, who was cold for a while, has five points in his last five games. So I think we brought him up on the show. And we both like very quickly said, don't worry about him. He's going to be fine. So just nice to see that that worked out. Uh, but yeah, Lundell, like, is he someone you're looking to stream in? Or do you need to see him get a few points first before you would get interested no matter where he's playing? 
Yeah, no, I like the opportunity that Lundell has. I don't like. I don't know if you're streaming him in if you'll get a lot of games out of him this week because of his schedule. But when you're on the top line in Florida, that should be good. Although it hasn't been a slam dunk this year for Barkov to be great. Actually, we we shared a chart on our Twitter account for the Cupful at KKUPFL where uh, it was showing where everybody who was rostering Travis Konechny, where they were in their leagues, and about three quarters of Cupful managers who have Konechny are in playoff position, which isn't surprising because what a steal. But then uh, Kevin Ebera, our Cupful coordinator, also shared some of the players who are on some of the, on average, lowest ranked teams across the Cupful, and Barkov was on that list. Like, if you got Barkov, you're frustrated at the season he's had. Uh, that top line has not been money. So, I don't know. Like, you, like Lundell is not a slam dunk, but you're interested. Somebody else on that top line who maybe is getting going again is Sam Reinhart. He has points in three straight, which follows a pretty cold run, which followed a really hot run, which followed a cold, which followed a hot. So, like, lots of inconsistency here in Florida. I would love if that top line could figure it out with Barkov, Lundell, and Reinhardt. Great. Gimme, gimme, gimme. Uh, and I'm keeping an eye on, on Anton Lundell to see if that happens. Gimme, gimme, gimme the something to midnight. What is that? What is that lyric? A man after midnight. Oh, a man after midnight. Okay. Again, yeah, that man is potentially Anton Lundell. Though it might be Anthony Duclair. He's going to be back at some point. Maybe he'll just like take his spot back on the top line. We'll have to wait. And then they can reunite with Verhaggy. Bar- what happened to Verhaggy, Barkov, and London? Uh, not in London. Barca- Verhaggy, Barkov, and Duclair. That was a line you could set your watch to. It's been a while. Okay, let's go to Detroit now. 43 points. A lot of interesting things going on here. Uh, so Bertuzzi is back from his injury. He's done nothing. He's pointless in three games. David Perron has gone completely cold. Uh, so the lines have been in flux. And then they've also got some players now that are on hot streaks. Like all of a sudden, Lucas Raymond is doing really well. Dominic Kubalik is getting back into the fold. He's back on the top power play, playing with Bertuzzi, Larkin, Raymond, and Sider in the last game. And, and Kubalik has like three points in his last three games. I'm, I'm curious to know, Brian, like who is the second best forward on Detroit at this point. And maybe if you're going to say that Lucas Raymond, then I'll ask for the third best just because maybe that's like a little bit more interesting in terms of people that people might be able to roster. Like I know you added David Perron in the cupful. And since you did, he's gone like completely ice cold, but he is David Perron. And I I don't know. I'm just curious to get your take right now on these Red Wings forwards. And if there's anyone like, I would think maybe Tyler Bertuzzi, I'll just throw it out there. He's super cold. Might be a great opportunity if he's dropped. Just grab him and, and see, because you know he's back. You know, playing with Larkin, we've seen what he could do in the past. So he's probably the one that I'm most interested in of the people that you could probably get at this point. Uh, but I'm curious to get your take here on Detroit. Yeah, you know, that's how I felt about David Perron, right? Maybe the uh, maybe he's he's gonna snap out of it. He hasn't yet, and now he's off the top power play, which is not going to be helpful to him. I think Bertuzzi's a pretty good guess. Elon, since Fabry and Raymond are both playing with him, and they're both producing, so why shouldn't Tyler Bertuzzi get in on that too, along with top power play deployment? For however long it lasts, we should say, because Detroit is changing it all the time. Exactly. They, we can't rely on however the Red Wings are going to set up their power play units. Um, but I I don't know, Elon. I might be done with David Perron. Like, I, I thought I was going to be dropping Yuso Parsonin into this week to stream in some uh, defensemen to get more games. But now I might just have to drop David Perron back into the pile because he's he's doing nothing for me. Yeah, pointless in eight games now, David Perron. Yeah, so and, just... and often doing very little like i think he had a cardio session the other night too who would you who would you prefer if you if you had to make a choice like i know who i want for the next week but if i'm thinking like full season 
Am I silly to drop David Perron ahead of Yuso Parsonen? No, because it's like a bottom of your roster spot, right? So it's like, just don't worry about the rest of the season. Worry about the current, you know, when Parsons obviously off the top power play, there'll be some new guy we're talking about on the podcast that you'll be interested in, hopefully. Otherwise, we'll be out of a job here. Right. Yeah. So let's keep finding those new players. And uh, so long to the $31 of fab that I spent to get David Perron. That was Ah. like, I thought I was like, oh, wow, I found a gem. And no one else in my division bid on him. But 13 other people knew what they're doing. I was the only one who didn't. Yeah, though, of, of course, once you drop him, as you said, is the theme of the episode, then he'll like pick it up. I don't think that he's going to get like zero points every eight games moving forward. Like, I think that Perron is probably going to be like around a 50 point guy. But, um, you know, why wait if you could have Yusuf Parson? Yeah, on the hot he's right just now. he's just and for anybody like wanting actual analysis on Perron, he's just there's really not much to analyze here. He's not shooting. He's getting less ice time. He's been bumped down the depth chart deployment wise. There's just nothing nice to see about what what David Perron has accomplished over the last few weeks. So it's not to say he can't do it again. Uh, He had a reasonably successful season leading up to this point. Like he was pacing for above 60 points for a good chunk of it. So there's a good chance he can get back there. But lately he's, uh, yeah, he's not doing much of anything at all for anybody who's got him. Though another guy that I'm pretty sure you added from Detroit uh, that is doing well for you is Jake Wallman, right? He still continues to be hot. Uh, is he a ding for one of these defensemen that you're more into than those Carolina guys? He's been fantastic. He's getting like power play time. And all of a sudden, and I love the peripherals where he takes shots, he has hits and blocks. So Wallman's doing it all. And now he's even getting points. So I think if he's still available, people should be very strongly considering adding them, especially if you need D. Yeah, for sure. I have Jake Wallman. I would not drop him to add Brett Pesci. Uh, Wallman has eight points in 25 games this season, but they've all come like in the last week or two, right? And as an NHLer, 20 points in 101 career games for Jake Wallman, who was drafted in 2014 by the St. Louis Blues and was never looking like a scorer in his AHL years until uh, his final season with San Antonio uh, of the AHL. This was in 2019-20 when he had 27 points in 57 games, which still isn't great, but that's the most offensive he's ever looked since turning pro until now. So big opportunity for Wallman on that Detroit blue line. They really like him as a steadying presence in on that top pair with Moritz Sider because he was playing with Ben Chiarat and it wasn't panning out at all. So Wallman getting good opportunities at five on five and a little bit of power play time too to cook as well. So I, I'm hoping he can keep this up. I'm not thinking that he's going to be on my roster the rest of the season, that he's going to keep scoring at this clip, but I'm going to hold on and see how far he can take this. Yeah, and even if he's not scoring, he's got such a high peripheral floor right now. So he's not going to give you a cardio session like Perron. I've got one for you. How about uh, Jake Wallman or Keandre Miller? Ooh. Ooh. I'll take Keandre Miller, I think. Just because... I think he's like more locked in. That's a tough one. I would like, this is like you're asking me off the top of my head and my gut feeling is Keandre Miller. That's what I wanted. Yeah. I wanted your gut. But I, Hmm. I could, I could see myself changing my mind when we talk about it tomorrow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Which we won't, I guess we have other things to do. We'll already be talking about uh, getting excited about the upcoming Short Shifts episode with Lewis and Jeremy, which will be coming out Tuesday. We always have fun in our group chat coming up with the topics for that. And uh, they've been doing a great job. But okay, Uh, let's go now to Philly. Okay, only 43 points. They've been doing better lately. I think they're going to have a better second half if they can keep this up. Uh, Huge five games next week. So 
potentially good for fantasy though a lot of those are on busy days so before you like jump on a philly guy thinking you're gonna get five games make sure you actually have spot you may only be able to fit like two of those five games if you're full on on monday and, and thursday and saturday um but still a lot of people may be able to fit at least three maybe even four of these philly games if you stream someone in which is fantastic but the question is who this is like seattle they, they have so many players that are doing well right now like obviously travis connecting is the superstar and so i would think you probably just want someone with exposure to him who and those are are Joel Faraby and Noah Cates. And yeah, Faraby, four points in his last three games. Noah Cates, not doing too much. So I guess he's an obvious not. Uh, he's not even on the power play. Like Faraby does get power play time. Uh, though with Faraby and connecting on the power play is Scott Lawton in one of the units. So Scott Lawton has definitely been great. We talked about him just on the last episode. He had a goal and an assist in his last game versus Washington. A goal and two assists in the game before that versus also Washington. So unfortunately, Philly just doesn't play Washington all the time because that seems to be really good for Scott Lawton. But yeah, those are some options. But yeah, then you've got a line like JVR, Owen Tippett, and Morgan Frost. Evan Salt, and Kevin Hayes has been good. He's playing with Lawton and Allison. Uh, so, Brian, I don't know. who Who's your pick? Let's say you can't get, obviously, Konechny. Let's say you can't get Kevin Hayes, because I think that would be your clear pick. Who's the next forward that you stream in, if you can, over on Philly? I feel like it's pretty random, Elon, about which guy is going to score on a given night. They all seem to take turns. Uh, like, Morgan Frost actually wanted to talk up last week, and I'm not sad I didn't, because he's been really quiet since, but he looked like he was starting to shoot more and score more as well. Maybe, maybe Owen Tippett Elon would be my next choice. He's up there, yeah, on that line with Van Riemsdyk and Morgan Frost. He's playing on the second power play unit. I think he's just someone I expect to have the most opportunities to shoot. He has at least a couple shots a night for most nights, including a six-shot game against Washington a few days ago. Um, so, yeah, I think he'd be my next choice because everybody else, like the Farabees and Van Riemsdyks and Frosts and Cates and Allisons and Lawtons, Sometimes they get no shots or just one shot. And I feel like Owen Tippett is the best bet to at least get a couple shots on the board. Yeah. So I was talking about this, obviously, in the matchup maximizer trying to predict. And I think I, in the end, I just said, like, go for someone. It's so hard to say. Just like you said, I think, like, I would go. You want to try to guess who I'd go for? Or do you want me to just say? I think you could tell. You know how I am. Um, James Van Riemsdyk. Well, actually, that, that would be a thing I would do. But no, actually, I'm thinking Faraby just because he's playing with Konechny and even strengthen on the power play. So I'm just going to take the guy with the good deployment with the superstar. Yeah, top line, That'd top power choice. play. That's a very good reason to go for him. I really think it's 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 almost like Seattle, but in like a bad way. It's like even odds that any of these guys is going to produce, but the odds are a lot lower than anyone's going to produce versus the Seattle players. Right. And then you can go for a defense. Like Cam York is super cold. So I'm curious to know, like, there's five games next week for Philly. Like, do you stream in Cam York even though he's cold? He, he was getting some assists before. Unfortunately, he doesn't get a lot of, like, other peripherals to make him worthwhile when he doesn't get one of those assists. But, uh, I don't know, for five games, and especially if you're, like, you know, like, I currently only have three defensemen on my team. So I could get actually all five games from Cam York if I added him. I don't know how many points I would get in the end. Yeah, or you could get those games from... Rasmus Ristolainen, who like he's not going to score, but at least he's going to do a few things peripherally. By the way, do you know how many points in thirty six games Ristolainen has this year? I don't like two. Exactly two points. (laughs) Good job. Like I feel like you have to try to get so few points, Uh, and those both came in the last three weeks. So way to go, Ristolainen, for getting on the board. But he's going to block. He's going to hit. He's not going to shoot. But the blocking and hitting is probably the most reliable thing you can get from any Flyers defenseman. Cam York isn't going to do anything but maybe get an assist every so often. Travis Sanheim is kind of the middle ground between Cam York and Rasmus Ristolainen. 
Um, so Elon, I'm making the same choice. Actually, I could get five games from a Philly D, and even if they just get me two couple points, that's like 10, 10 points on my roster. Except you know, if Nothing I stream that, that spot, I could probably get more out of it. So I don't know what I'm gonna do yet. Uh, if I had to pick one right now, I don't know. Maybe I'd be boring and I'd go <laughs> risk to line in. It's it's just it's not not a lot of great options here, unfortunately, for a team with a five game week. Yeah, I mean, depending on how your lineup looks, another good option is you just stream in a Sam Erson, who was discussed on the Short Shifts episode, and that was a suggestion that Jeremy Lewis had. Like, because, you know, that's two back-to-backs, right? So that's going to be at least two starts for Erson, which is generally what you're going to get from a starting goalie, and he's been really good lately. He had a shutout recently. So maybe he's the guy you go with if you have an open goalie spot on the days that you think he's going to play. All right, let's go to Ottawa now. We've got five teams to go here, and we are now in an, an actual overtime, where we're actually kind of running out of time here. So the thing, the good thing is Ottawa's easy, because there's not nothing new there i guess the new thing is that josh norris is apparently gonna be back soon which you could say is like bad for shane pinto he'll get bumped like shane pinto wasn't doing anything anyway obviously people who drafted josh norris are really excited he didn't start the season very well but it was also like just a handful of games so probably you just look to last year's numbers to come up with an expectation and those were very good so it'll be fun to see what josh norris could do with the team um and yeah brian any hot takes about josh norris my only take is that this could be good for everybody in the top six in Ottawa if Norris returns. They have not figured out, the Sens, how to exist without him this year and a big a big topic in Sens land over the last little while, but getting louder and louder as they struggle, is that their special teams have been great, but their five-on-five five play has been horrid. Like, that's where they're losing games night in, night out. And I think that's because there's a there's a pretty sizable hole in their top six that they haven't figured out a way to get past. So Norris coming back, I think will help everybody in that top six do a better job of producing. So it could be a good, good news for anybody who has Ottawa senators on their roster. Okay. Yeah. So that's great for them and great for the team. And hopefully they could do better than like bottom five in the league as they currently are uh, at this point in the season. Uh, next up, the Vancouver Canucks have 37 points. They'll make that 39 because they won this game today against Carolina. Uh, it's kind of interesting. I guess that, you know, a couple episodes ago, we were talking about how JT Miller was cold and he had that like embarrassing thing where he yelled at Colin Delia and people were really mad at him. And he has this huge contract coming up. But hey, to, to his credit, Miller's bounced back since then. He has eight points in his last six games. That was before today. And I see he also scored a goal today, a huge goal in the third to uh tie the game so uh all of a sudden uh, jt miller looking pretty good i don't know if they would still give him that contract if they could have a do-over but he's definitely not nothing uh yeah the rest of vancouver also pretty much the same like elise Pettersson just continuing his amazing season like uh, quinn hughes continuing his amazing season of all assists and uh yeah that's pretty much it i guess today uh connor garland was in a good spot in the lineup playing with bo horvat and jt miller so that's a good spot but horvat i don't think he got a point today or sorry horvat did he always does but connor garland um, bring looking at stuff right now. Yeah, nothing. Three shots. So I don't know if you're going to stream in someone on Vancouver. I guess it would be Garland that of someone who's available. But yeah. maybe you don't even. Uh, yeah, exactly. If you're looking for uh, for an extra game, like Garland, I think is up there with several of the streamers we've talked about this this episode. I'm just going back. Like I'd prefer him to Clem Costin. I might prefer him to Nick Backstrom. Like it's close. If I'm running That's out fair. of patience with Backstrom, uh, I think I prefer Garland. Well, not while Hintz is out. I was going to say Tyler Sagan, but as long as Hintz is out, I prefer I prefer Garland to Alex Lafreniere. So Garland Definitely. is, yeah. So like he's still worth a look. Someone who is 
this isn't news. You don't need this analysis. But somebody who's not worth a look, like you're like, JT Miller got going again. Uh, Oliver ekman Larson was scratched a couple games ago. And Elon, I needed a defenseman. And Vancouver played Saturday, Sunday. And I'm like, okay, maybe ekman Larson's the ad. He's going to come back. He's going to have a chip on his shoulder. He's going to really perform. You really thought this? I thought, I thought maybe. I thought if there was ever a time ekman Larson was going to do something, uh, he didn't do anything of course he really, didn't in either game he played when has he when has he since it's, he's been on this team it's been a well actually he had a nice little run of four points in four games leading up to the healthy scratch and then he got oh. scratched uh and so uh, you, i you know sometimes guys come back angry that i maybe Eggman larson came back angry but maybe more sad than angry no points three shots a hit and a block over the course of both those games where he was seeing third pairing minutes in his return and then closer to second pairing minutes in uh tonight's game but like i said this isn't news nobody's considering Ross. no one cares about him oliver yeah. ekman larson yeah oof okay let's go to montreal now non-woof well woof would be uh jake allen he's been having a rough season but he's been injured lately and sam montembeau all of a sudden He's he's been really good. He had three straight really good games going into today, and he just pulled off this big win against the Rangers, stopping 38 of 39. Holy cow. I guess he's the starter for as long as Allen is out, and for good reason. This was a back-to-back, and Montebo got both games and was great in both of them. This is a guy who like I had kind of written off and figured he wasn't even an NHL goalie. Now he's like one of the hottest goalies in the league over this past week. So I'm sure you're going to say that you like don't believe in it. But I'd say if you need a goalie right now, it looks like Montreal's going to lean on him and he's on a hot streak. So what else can you say? Like, you know, sometimes you just got to go with that until the player falls apart, right? I, you could, but anyone who's ever done that with Sam Montebo has had him fall apart on their roster. Like, it's inevitable. This is going to happen. He's... I, I, Still don't think, Elon, that... But you can Montem- say about any goalie. Like, any goalie will have a bad game <laughs> after they're on a long hot streak, right? Yeah, sure. But you're saying but he's going to have multiple Mon- bad games in a row <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And I think he might crumble. You know, the odds are that he's going to crumble sooner rather than later. I saw the only reason that Montreal didn't start Caden Primo on uh, on the back-to-back was because he was, like, he's recovering from an injury or something still. And they, they wanted to be cautious that he didn't get hurt. And they thought Montembeau could go, I guess, because he's playing well. Jake Allen, by the way, like you said, he's had a terrible season. But he's actually playing a, just a smidge above his expected save percentage, his expected Fenwick save percentage, which is um, shocking, actually. It's one of the lowest in the league, though. His expected Fenwick save percentage is 9.27 this year. And I would say a bad one for most goalies is 9.35. And an average one is somewhere around 9.40. So, like, Jake Allen really seeing zero support in front of him. Montembeau's gotten a little more than Allen has, but we'll see. We'll see how long Montembeau can keep putting up starts. Every time you start him, you are risking a blow-up. Yeah, fair. I mean, yeah, fair enough. But also... I don't know. It's not nice. <laughs> like, I just feel like, you know, he's on a high, he's doing really well. So I don't know if we just want to come on and be like, oh, high risk. Like, I, uh, he's doing like, good for him. High maybe, risk, maybe he's high figured, reward. figured things How about out. that? Yeah. At least that, yeah. At least mention the high reward. Okay. Uh, but by the way, on uh, Montreal, uh, Yoel Armia hasn't playing on the top line. I mean, has been like he did today and he got an assist. So maybe he's the new, I know you were saying at the start how like you were disappointed that Kirby Doc wasn't on the top line. He wasn't the top power play and he scored a goal there. But uh, Armia, I don't know, very low end. But if you're in a super deep league, always interesting to have a top liner. And Yoel Armia is there right now playing with Suzuki and Caulfield. Like I said, he got an assist today. And from what I saw, uh, it looks like Kirby Doc at center, at least the media likes Kirby Doc at center, which means he's on the second line. So that would open the door for Armia staying there a little longer. Keep an eye on things. 
Yeah, and by the way, speaking of top liners who are like kind of surprising and why they're there, let's go to San Jose next, who have 34 points. And in the last game, it was Michael Asimont, a recent waiver acquisition that was playing with Timo Meyer and Hurdle. Before, it had been Kevin LeBanc, but I guess he got bumped to play with Benino and Nico Sturm. So uh, Michael Asimont, I, I mean, he doesn't have any points yet since he's joined the Sharks. It's only been three games, but he does have four, three, and three shots in those three games and four, two, and one hits. So maybe, maybe he'll get an assist next week so someone to keep in mind i guess it's still barabanov on the top power but actually i think that i did see some san jose lines come out on uh, game day tweets today so actually let me just verify really quickly to see what the lines were couture barabanov nieto meyer hurdle and asimod yes yeah, still there so there you go there's a top liner by the way another top liner that's probably available to you is on arizona who's the next team on the list with 31 points barrett hayton has still been there and barrett hayton continues to do pretty well i guess he didn't get a point today on the goal who is it again that scored on Arizona? Oh, yeah, Clayton Keller, of course. But that was uh, uh, assisted by Schmaltz and Chicker. But Hayton must have been on the ice. Unfortunately, he didn't get the point. But, yeah, he's been pretty good lately. So, Brian, if you wanted to grab a top liner who is normally not a top liner, who would you go with between Yoel Armia, Michael Asimont, and Barrett Hayton? Yeah, give me Barrett Hayton, who coming into tonight had three goals in three straight games on nine shots. The bigger picture for Hayton is nine points in nine games played. Good deployment, too, as good as anyone in Arizona, which is to say, like, we don't know how far that'll take you. Uh, Arizona, coming into tonight's game, has scored just nine goals as a team in their last six games uh, with 10 minutes left in the game tonight, they are about to score. They've scored 10 goals in nearly seven games. Uh, they're scoring on fewer than 6% of their shots. Did we jinx them last week when we talked about how Arizona had uh, confusingly one of the best shooting team shooting percentages in the league. Uh, so I, you. yeah, I'm good. I'll, I'll own that one. But Barrett Hayton is the one I'd prefer over Mikey Asamont who, uh, yeah, yeah I, he had a turn in the, Winnipeg as well on the top line there former fixture he played like a, a month ago with Kyle Connor and Pierre-Luc Dubois didn't do much there but I guess the Sharks have the same idea despite Asamont really never having so much offensive pedigree I guess uh 42 points in 58 games with Manitoba of the AHL last year uh five points in 23 career NHL games and at least one trip through waivers and Armia we've already talked about so on to the next team all right, we're going to Columbus, who has another top liner that maybe is a little bit surprising because Boone Jenner is back. And I would have thought that Boone Jenner would just go back to that spot with Line and Gaudreau. But no, he played his first game against Detroit. And he was playing on a line talking about Boone Jenner with Gustav Nyquist and Eric Robinson. And Jack Roslovic held a spot with Line and Gaudreau. And that went very well for Jack Roslovic because Patrick Line had a hat trick and Roslovic assisted on two of those goals. So maybe that will hold. Columbus did win that game against Detroit for three so yeah i'm not saying that like forget about boone jenner maybe he'll get back there eventually and he was still on the top power play i think but yeah from what i see uh but for now maybe jack roslovic you could add him so uh, brian roslovic versus barrett hayton who you had at the top which top liner are you taking between those two? Oh, i think i'll still take hayton it's pretty close though that one's closer to a push than any of the others just because i think jenner will eventually work his way back up to the top line it's not like that top line has been going so well like johnny gaudreau has been like i guess he's still on an 80 point pace but he's been quiet for a lot like he sort of goes quiet then has a multi-point night then quiet again then multi-point night and coach also didn't have some great words for him earlier this week so I, I don't know I feel like Boone Jenner is destined to land back on the top line before long but Roslovic is a great guy to keep an eye on until that happens 
Yeah, especially if Line a is going to heat up like he did in that game. Uh, also in Columbus on defense, uh, Nick Blankenberg is back, and he didn't get any points, but he did get some power play time on the second power play. Oh, no, he did have an assist, actually. So look at Nick Blankenberg. He's a, a good guy. Two hits and two blocks. There's a reliable peripherals guy for you. And even now getting some power play time now that, you know, uh, what was it? I already forget already. Zach Wierenski. Remember him? Uh, but now that he's gone, I guess like these uh, new players. But actually, I got to give some credit to Adam Bokvist, who I totally wrote off uh, on previous episodes. And he now has assists in four straight games. And he's been on the top power play, but all four of these assists not even on the power play. So he could potentially be doing it any better, even better. So I would be interested to keep watching Adam Bokvist and see what he could keep doing. Uh, though I, I still don't really believe in him. <laughs> but, but like for now, you can't argue with four points in four games. Uh, on Anaheim, Brian, we were so high on Mason McTavish. He had finally gotten into the top six. Now we have has a two-game week, and I said maybe he's even worth holding for the two-game week. No points. Blah. Oh, well. But I still think I'd actually give him a go. If he was dropped now because he did nothing in these two games, I think there's a decent chance that we could end up being just as into him as we were going into last week. So now you could get him, and it won't be like a free-for-all trying to get him because he's coming off a hot streak. Now you could just, you know, waltz in, and right before game time, if you see him still on the top line or playing, you know, Troy Terry, grab Mason McTavish. I still think he's a, a decent bet, though. Like you said on the last show, Anaheim doesn't score a lot of goals. That's what makes him a little bit tricky. Yeah, exactly. Like, this is Anaheim, and so we're not going to totally fault Mason McTavish for Mason McTavish's lack of production. But like you mentioned, the shots are still coming. Eight shots for McTavish over his last three. He did have one game where he saw only 14 minutes of ice, and I'm I'm not sure I got the story on why that was, and maybe if he sat a little longer for something he did. But uh, we'll see, I guess, if McTavish can hold on to good deployment. And if he does, yeah. Makes him a, a decent chance to grab a point here and there. Like, I'm happy, like you said, Elon, to give him another week to see what he can do in high deployment. But who would you prefer between Mason McTavish and Barrett Hayton? I'll go McTavish, actually. Yeah, and over oh, Roslevic and, well, Jenner. Yeah. Over Jenner? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wait, no, not over Jenner. No, okay. Just, Jenner is Just like over Roslevic. Really yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fair. Okay. Yeah. That's my take. Cool. I mean, he's like such a high pedigree guy. I, I think he's I'd, in a good spot. Top power play. Yeah, I think I'd do the same. Okay, and finally, a guy who I'm embarrassed to say we disagreed about a bit, but we're going to Chicago, the bottom team in the league with only 26 points. But last week, I was just talk- we were talking about Seth Jones' cold streak, and you were like giving all these reasons why he's going to probably be fine. And boy, were you right, because he had three assists versus Seattle in the 8-5 loss, bringing him to six points in his last five games. So, Brian, stand up, take a bow. You might just want to leave right now and end on a high note here. Congratulations. I don't have a question. I just want to give you kudos yeah, on that th- great prediction. This will be my last episode episode of keeping carlson it's been a really fun ride seth jones has proven me right for the last time actually it was two weeks ago that we said we liked or that i said i liked what seth jones was doing he point he scored in the next game against tampa and he's been uh, producing pretty consistently it's really interesting that chicago has been doing well without patrick kane in the lineup like goals are coming i dropped uh, max domi when Kane got injured, being like, oh, well, Max Domi, his points only ever come because he's playing with Patrick Kane. And then Max Domi has continued to produce lately six points in five games, including two on the power play. Domi's actually pacing for 28 power play points this season. He's been he's been good there with the extra man. And one Chicago player who also produced recently was Lucas Reichel, who uh, had a great game against Calgary, a goal and two assists, five shots and 16 minutes of ice. I don't know if you caught this, Elon, but the coach, Luke Richardson, was like, yeah, we're going to be seeing a lot of him. He's definitely earned an extended look. He played one more game and then was sent back down to yeah. Rockford of the AHL because, well, 
if coach wanted to pretend that he didn't he didn't know or he actually didn't know what Chicago's trying to do, their front office is keeping their eyes on the prize here, which is be as bad as possible. Yeah, and for good reason. Like uh, Lewis and Jeremy spent time talking about Connor Bedard and how amazing he is. We don't want Lucas Reichel ruining their chance at getting him. So yeah, Lucas Reichel could be a guy that or will be a guy that people will be paying a lot of attention to going into drafts next year because I think that he's going to probably make the team and be there for the long haul. He's, he looks like a really good prospect. Uh, and Brian, that's it. Oh, I got to mention Patrick Kane is back, by the way. So that's good. He's And he's back playing with Max Domi. So another reason to be into Max Domi. But Brian, that's it. We've gone through all the teams. This has been a blast. Thanks to everyone for listening to this episode of Keeping Carlson. Hopefully we gave you some good nuggets that are going to help you be successful next week and moving forward for the second half of the season. If you like the show, we'd love uh, what, what are we? Uh, a few things, right? Follow us on Twitter at Keeping Carlson. That's like the lowest level thing, right? That doesn't even help us that much, to be honest. But uh, a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Okay, now we're getting somewhere. That's pretty good. Subscribing to us wherever you get your podcast. That's, that's very good, especially if you like download every episode, uh, which I hope you do because we try our best to make them really good for you uh then there is uh, becoming a patron of keeping carlson which is the highest form well i guess then you could become a, a super supporter on patreon that's even the highest thing you could do but being uh oh and then like being really active in our community and helping people with their uh, fantasy questions even better but yeah keeping carlson.com slash patron we have a lot of perks including a patron cast brian which we're going to be doing on wednesday a whole bonus show that's going to be probably even longer than this one was but it's going to be with no ads and it's just for the patrons and it's not broken into two parts always a blast we have other perks too so check it out at keepingcarlson.com slash patron but with that brian let's get out of here let's cue the outro music why don't you go ahead and read us the credits all right this episode of the keeping carlson fantasy hockey podcast was presented by dauber hockey and powered by our patrons including our super supporters who are so super at supporting us they get their names in the credits adam aaron tyler andrea tom ryan derek david rob rickard and of course patty thanks to our couple coordinator kevin a bear and our team of co-commissions you're all doing great at keeping the couple active we really appreciate all you're doing we also appreciate you elon and shams benamore for keeping the amazing stream of fantasy news rolling at gamedaytweets.com you can all follow our other show at short shifts kk on twitter logo art by brandonweave.com outro music by pat roach this episode was researched with help from dauber hockey frozen tools dauber prospects natural stat trick evolving hockey cat friendly the athletic hockey goalies.org hockey reference hockey viz hockey database elite prospects and yahoo what a brag just brian like just reminding everyone how much research he does by like listing like 20 different resources good for you brian that's why this is uh that's why you're one of the best uh, podcast co-hosts in the biz couldn't ask for anyone better great job as always really looking forward to our next show of course and a couple short shifts in between uh what should people do as they enjoy this week of five games from philly and a bunch of other hockey games probably coming up it's gonna be a blast well, while you're enjoying things, maybe you could do your best to help others enjoy it by making sure that fantasy hockey can be for everyone. <laughs>